Today's message, how to tell God you love Him. How do you do that? By worshiping Him. There's an outline in your bulletin if you want to take that out or look up here on the screen. If somebody were to ask you to describe the Christian life in just a few words, what would you say? Someone might say, well, moral devotion, or religious ritual, or ethical behavior. You know, things like, I don't smoke, and I don't chew, and I don't run around with girls that do. (laughs) You know, I really believe the essence of the Christian life can be summed up in two words, just two words, love affair. Isn't that really what it's all about? God made you to love you. He just wants you to love Him back. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38, this was our response reading this morning. Would you read it again with me one more time? Do you see it there on the screen? See the very first word? It's love. Let's start with that word right now. Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. There's nothing more important than that one right there. As a matter of fact, when you look at the Big Ten, God's number one. He's first on the list, right? I am the Lord your God. There's nobody else besides me. Make me first. And then when Jesus came on the scene, the Sermon on the Mount, what did he say? Seek first. God has always got to be first. Now there's a word for expressing our love to God. You know what it is? It's called worship. And when you express love to God in any way, you are worshiping Him. I want to give you six ways today to express love to God. I'm not going to give you an exhausted list. There are more ways than just the six that I'm going to give you this morning. As a matter of fact, one of those ways is the Lord's Supper, which you know Mike led us in this morning. The children helped us to pass out the communion. But we talked about that a few weeks ago, so you understand that. And you understand that there's more than just the six things that I'm going to give you today. But I want to start off by, number one, six ways to tell God you love Him. One of the ways is by singing to Him. We just finished singing to God. And that's something we could all corporately do together. Music and love go together, do they not? Because music is really from the heart not so much the intellect. There have been more love songs written to and about Jesus Christ than anybody else. You know why? Because of His love for us. We love Him. We sing to Him because He first loved us. In Psalm 147.7 it says, Sing out with your thanks to Him. Sing praises to our God. You know, when when I... when I quote this verse to people to try to get them to sing out, you know what I often hear from folks? Yeah, but I can't sing. And I say, you know what? You don't have to really know how to sing, sing, like the professionals. Just make a joyful noise. You know, the Bible does say that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I'm not a very good singer, but I was up there in the balcony. I was sitting right behind Case and Case, and I was making a joyful noise, wasn't I, this morning? 
And it may not have been pleasant in his ear. But you know, in God's ear, he was enjoying it. Because I wasn't singing to Kaysen. I was singing to God. And so were you if you were doing it right this morning. See, when the praise team's up here singing, you're not the audience. You know who they're singing to? God. And when you're singing back, you know, we're all singing collectively, but we're singing to the audience of one. The Lord our God is one God. We can sing to Him. And so, I like what Ron said this morning as he started the service. The singing part is not the filler to get to the good stuff. It's all the good stuff when you're worshiping God. Music inspires, it refreshes, it rejuvenates. And since worship is expressing your love to God, I want to ask you a question. Can you worship God in your shower? Yeah, you can. You ever sing to God? How about in your backyard? How about at the beach? How about at Yosemite? How about on a camping trip? How about up at Alpine where you got you know, several hundred men praising God. You've not heard singing like three or four hundred men in one room together praising God. It is something fantastic. You can sing driving in your car. You can worship God anytime, any place. Number two, a second way to tell God you love Him is by talking to Him. We call that prayer. Have you figured out that the key to a good relationship is good communication? Have you figured that out yet? And when you love somebody, you want to talk to them. Remember when you were young and in love? And and you were calling your girlfriend up on the phone all the time, and your parents were doing what? Are you talking to that girl again? Would you hang up the phone? What, you need it? No, but someone may want to call me. You know, and you know how parents are. But you want to talk to them. You want to share things. Well, what do you talk to God about? I say, you talk to God about anything and everything you would talk to your best friend about. And what would you talk to your best friend about? Your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your fears, your anxieties. You can talk to your best friend about even the things you're ashamed of. You can talk to your best friend about the things that you're proud of. You can talk to your best friend about things you haven't overcome yet. That's your God. That's how God wants you to be with Him. Talk to Him about anything and everything. Psalm 116, 1 and 2 says, I love the Lord because He hears and answers my prayers. Did you know that God hears every prayer that you pray? And did you know that God answers every prayer that you pray? He may not answer it the way that you want Him to, but He hears every prayer and He answers every prayer. How many of you prayed a prayer and God's still saying, wait? I've been waiting on some stuff for a while. How about you? At some point, I think God's going to tell me if it's a no, right? How many of you got no's from God? I have. How many have prayed for something and God said yes and you wish he had said no? There's a country song about that. I prayed for a BB gun, man, when I was like 9 or 10 years old. And God answered that prayer. My parents gave me a BB gun. I made all kinds of promise. I would not abuse it. I would not use it. I would never kill a little birdie. Never in my life. No, not once. Oh, did I get in more trouble with that BB gun? 
there are some prayers that, you know, best, you know, but maybe those are some lessons I learned early on that God helped me to grow and mature and, and move forward with. And you've gone through similar things as well. Now, some of you here today do not pray on a regular basis. Some of you here today have not prayed to God this week, this month, maybe even this year. And if that describes you, if your prayer life is kind of dried up and dried out, the best way to kickstart your relationship with God is to start talking to Him again. Someone says, well, you know, I, I'd like to talk to God more. I'd like to pray more, but I just don't have the time. You know what? You're going to have to make the time. That's just being honest with you. You've got to make the time for a quiet time. It's not going to happen naturally. It's not going to happen on its own. You must make the time. But then there's a third thing. I not only sing to Him, I not only talk to Him, but then I must listen to Him. Listening is one of the greatest gifts that you can give somebody because listening says you care. Listening says you matter to me. I value what you say. And most of us think a prayer is just what? Just doing all the talking. Kind of like, oh yeah, hey God, it's me again. Here are the ten things I need. Uh, Would you hurry up with them? Over and out. And that's your prayer, right? Kind of look at God as kind of a super Santa Claus in the sky. Or maybe even uh, picture God like a vending machine where you throw in a prayer and you pull out the answer, you know, that's what I want. Well, God's not a vending machine. Vending machines give you stuff that aren't really good for you if you stop and think about it, right? God's going to give you the good stuff, but that doesn't just happen instantly. Half of our prayer life should be listening. You should be listening. And you say, God, do you have anything to say to me? How about that? You say, like, right, God's going to talk to me. No, whenever you pray, whenever you have a quiet time, you should never have your prayer time or quiet time without one of these opened up. Some of you are reading through the Bible in a year. Some of you have a daily quiet time and you maybe have a verse for the day. And how many of you would agree with me that as you do that on a regular basis, God's speaking to you? You may have that that verse for the day is exactly what you needed to hear. Amen? Anybody raise your hand to that? Yeah, yeah. We've all been there. We've all done that. You need to listen. The number one way that God speaks to you is through this book right here. It's called the Bible. Another way that God speaks to you is through trials. Another way that God speaks to you is through godly people. People that got the book in them and have got some experience behind them. Another way that God speaks to you is through impressions and inspiration. I said that one time, and somebody came up to me after the service and says, I don't believe God inspires us anymore. He doesn't speak like that anymore. And I go, oh, really? Have, have you ever been tempted by the devil? Oh, yeah. So are you telling me that the devil is stronger than God? The devil can hit you with temptations, but God can't give you a little inspiration? Come on, man. It doesn't work like that. Our God's much greater. And so be open to God. Listen for His voice. Look at John 10, verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. And they what? Listen to my voice. Number four, I sing, I pray, I listen. But then I publicly identify with Him. By not 
being ashamed of him at work or at school or with my neighbors. Do your neighbors even know that you're a Christian? <laughs> you know, some of you may think, oh, I never mow my lawn. My weeds get into their backyard. I play the television or the record player way too loud or the radio too loud. And I don't want them to know I'm a Christian. Does that describe you? Well, we're not that great of witnesses, are we? But young people, at your school, do your fellow schoolmates know you're a Christian? You Christians, when you go to work, when you have a little break, do you ever pull out one of these? And has anyone at work ever caught you reading a Bible during your lunch hour? However long you get? We should not be ashamed for people to know that we're Christians. You ever talk to your family about God? You know... I read something from Vicki Mahawka this morning. She's not with us this morning. She gave me a little thing that she, just some notes she wrote to herself. I go, can I read that? And then I'm checking my pockets and I don't know where I put it. But the gist of it was this. Her sister-in-law has been on hospice care for the last couple of weeks. And she passed away yesterday. But before she did, she shared the gospel with them. And you know what she said to me as as I read this? She didn't say it to me. I'm reading what she wrote. It's pretty much... I need to, you need to, Christians need to talk to other people about Jesus Christ and not be ashamed to do it and speak up and speak up quickly because we don't have a lot of time left. And I thought, oh, can I use that this morning? Oh, yeah. And and then I forgot it. But I got the gist of it right, and you got the gist of it right. And I think sometimes it's harder to talk to family than anybody else, right? But don't, don't let that deter you. One of the reasons it's hard to talk to family, and maybe even your neighbors, because they know you better than anyone else, right? Because that's who you associate mostly with. They not only know your strong points, but what else do they know? Your weak points. They know your faults. They know your failures. They, and, 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 then, and then they might, you think, well, they might point that out. No, no. The point is God's grace covers a multitude of sin. And we all have them, but the point is, your lost relative doesn't have Jesus yet. And when they do, because you've opened your mouth, you were willing to speak, they will have Jesus, and they will be saved and in heaven. So it's better to speak up than to not speak up. You don't want to be a secret service saint. You want people to know who you are by identifying with him. When you love somebody, you're not ashamed of them. How would you wives feel if your husbands came to you and says, let's get married, but let's just don't tell anybody about it. And when we're in public, let's not wear our rings. You know, and if we happen to see each other on the street, you know, let's pretend like we don't know each other. Get out of here. And yet, you know what, we go to work and you don't carry a Bible and you don't let people know you're a Christian. And, you know, it's kind of like that shame thing. And you know what Jesus said in Mark 8, 38? Ooh, this is a serious passage here. If anyone is ashamed of me and my teaching, I will be ashamed of him when I come with the glory of my Father. Jesus is coming. And I'm so glad that Vicki took the time and the trouble to talk to a dying relative about Jesus yesterday when she went to meet her Lord and Savior. Aren't you? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to identify with? Now, one of the ways you can identify yourself 
with God as a believer is through baptism. We talked a lot about this, but I just want to make the point again briefly today. Have you ever thought about baptism as being worship to God? Baptism makes three public statements. Number one, baptism says, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, this is a, a modern speech, the message, talks about, you know, Jesus was baptized and he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave. You, when you're baptized, your old person dies. We bury it in a watery grave, but it doesn't stay in the watery grave. Like Jesus, we come up from the grave. Number two, baptism says, I'm dying to my old way of life. In Colossians 2.12, modern speech says, Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. That's kind of born again. God raising you from the dead just as he did Christ. And number three, baptism says, I'm in Christ. How do I get into Christ? Well, let's look at Galatians 3.27. For all of you who were what? Baptized, what's the very next word? Into, and what's the next word? Christ. Have put on Christ. Have you done that yet? How can you say you love him if you won't do the very first thing he commanded? And then... Number five, I show my love to Christ by committing to Him. What does it mean to be fully committed to God? There are five basic commitments that we have built here at Cross Point Christian Church. Five of them. And um, they're, they're all in our commitment statements. We've built our church around these five commitments. The first one is a commitment to Christ and His family. And, and we taught a class last week, six people attended that class, said, well, they were already Christians, so they already fulfilled the first commitment to Christ. But then they said, I want to identify with the church family. And uh, if we haven't put that in uh, on the internet yet, we're going to be mentioning those names. So at the end of the bulletin this morning, I just kind of quickly perused it. I don't see them there. But there were six people that said, I do to uh, membership at our church. We'll get that in there. And I'm proud of them for making that commitment. They, they, they had to listen to me through a four-hour class. Now that's a commitment, right? And even at the end of that, they signed on the dotted line, I want to be seen as a member of this church. And I said, okay, well then you got, you got three more commitments. Oh yeah? <laughs> What's the fine print? You got to go into class 201, where you make a commitment to spiritual growth. And, and in that class, what you're going to learn to do is to have a daily quiet time, to have a little devotional with God every single day. Because what if, God forbid, uh, you, know, you ended up on a deserted island all by yourself, and you didn't have a preacher to feed you every week, and you know, here's your food for the week, and you had a Bible. After you graduate from class 201, you will be able to make your own spiritual meals. That's what that class is designed to do. You can now feed yourself because once a week's not enough. And then I asked them to go into class 301, which is a commitment to ministry. And you find out what the God-given natural abilities and the God-given spiritual abilities, the gifts, talents, and abilities that God gave to you that He wants you to use in the kingdom business. And then after that, one more commitment, and that's a commitment to missions. God wants you 
to know how to share the gospel with others. That's class 401. Do you see how Crosspoint is built around all of these classes? How do I worship God? By committing to Him and fulfilling these commitments that, that God has placed before us in the Bible. Worship is not just something that happens at church. As a matter of fact, most of these things, 101 through 401, really, or, or, or 201 through 401, happen outside of the church for the most part. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around, and place it before God as a what? Offering. The offering that we took up this morning is not just money. Are you going to talk about money this morning, Bruce? Yes. But not yet. Your body is an offering. You are a living sacrifice. Embrace what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do. Now let's get to number six. I show my love to God by giving to Him. Giving at its core is the essence of love. You can spell love, L-O-V-E, but it's better spelled G-I-V-E. Because that's what God did for us. For God so loved the world that He what? Gave. That much. He gave. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's just the way it works. And in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, Paul put it like this, Just as you excel in faith, speech, knowledge, and in complete earnestness, see that you also excel in the grace of what? What's the next word? Giving! I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. God tests your sincerity. How does He do it? By looking at your offering. Have you ever looked at it that way? That's what that verse says. Giving represents your heart. Now, there are two ways you can give, and I'm going to close with this. You can give cheerfully, or you can give fearfully. It's your choice. The cheerful giver goes, oh man, here comes the collection. Can't wait to give to God. Yeah, and when you put it in the plate, you're not, really not giving to a plate, are you, in your head? You're giving to God. Now, the plate's the receptacle. You've got to put it somewhere, right? You can't just throw you know, money up in the air and expect God to take it. Now, there's a receptacle for that. But when you give cheerfully, you're going, I know God's going to take care of me. I know my needs are going to be met. Or you can go fearfully, oh, Lord, oh, I don't know if I should give this week or not. You know, the car and the roof and the, oh, the light bill and, oh, that's a fearful giver. Who are you going to trust? How are you going to give? The choice is yours. The bottom line, really, when you look at all six of the things that we talked about today, there are many ways you can express your love to God, but God wants your heart. It all starts right here. It all starts with your heart. He can't have your heart until you first establish a relationship with Him. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? 
Have you put him on in baptism? Faith, repentance, and baptism. Those are the basic things. That, that gets you into the, the ballpark. That gets you into Christ. You're baptized into Christ. We read Galatians 3.27 this morning. If you haven't done that, after this prayer, we're going to sing an invitation song and allow you to do that. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, my prayer is that everyone here today will worship you through song, through prayer. Some need to get their prayer life kick-started again. May they talk to you like they would talk to their best friend. Spend some time with you today and throughout the week. Some need to identify with you through baptism and commitment and giving. And Father, help us to fulfill the five commitments trusting you alone for our salvation, connecting with a church family and getting plugged in as six people recently made that commitment, having a daily quiet time, using our talents in ministry and fulfilling our purpose through our life mission, and use us to make a difference in the world through Cross Point Christian Church is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.